Well, um, welcome back, everyone. Another recording of the podcast. This will be our third episode in a week because I'm going to post this on Friday. So we did a conversation with Sheila and Keith Gregor. We talked to um, someone who litigates um, at the Supreme Court level about the recent Supreme Court decisions and why it matters. And now we're doing a Tim and Noah episode. Talking about now, all kinds now you've of stuff. got the the true expert of the week is here, so <laughs> gonna gonna clear up all the miscommunication. Yes, that's exactly right. Great to have you, everyone. Just a couple of quick reminders. I am Tim, the host of the podcast. Noah is our producer, and every now and then we try and do an episode together. If you're listening for the first time, thank you so much. It means a lot. Also, very cool news. We are um, we are we are funded. We have reached our monthly foundational goal and monthly donations, which means so much. It gives us a foundation to work off of and to build off of. Uh, the work is not done. Um, as we grow and as we just do more content, we'll need more finances. But to have that foundational goal met is a huge relief. So thank you everyone for sharing that and for and for giving. If you can support our content by giving us a rating or a review. Um, or donating. That would be wonderful. We are a nonprofit organization, which is always nice to hear, which means your tax, uh, your donations are tax deductible. Always a good feeling. And of course, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mad Priest Coffee, who Noah and I, we both love them very much. Right, Absolutely. Noah? Right, because you're paid Absolutely. to say that, yeah. right? Because you make a lot of money doing this, <laughs> a ton of money exactly. uh, volunteering I, for I us. To... I don't even drink coffee, but I just like suffered through one cup just to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I for real, it. this is brought to you by Mad Priest. They do great work. Their coffee is amazing. You can go to madpriestcoffee.com um, and type in promo code TNE in the checkout and get 20% off your order. Also, I have one more big announcement. Um, it's a big one. Hope you're sitting down. The new Evangelicals podcast is hanging out with Trip Four at his annual beer camp. That's right. You can get tickets and you can hang out with us. You have Permission Podcasts, the Bible for Normal People podcast, and a bunch of amazing theologians and and public speakers like Brian McLaren, who's the father of the emergent church movement, uh, and of course Trip Fuller. So we'll have we should have a link today or in the show notes where you can buy tickets. You can buy a ticket. You can pick one up. You can hang out with us in North Carolina. It's happening October 13th through 15th. Noah and I, right? No, you're going to this with me, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Good. That's what I thought. Noah and I will be there. We'll be doing our, our podcast stuff and hanging out. Looking forward to this. This will be a great time. Your ticket is all-inclusive as far as it includes drinks. It includes all that good stuff. Gets you everywhere that you need to be. Like I said, you can go inside of the link or in the show notes, tap the link. And if you put in promo code, I think it's promo code TNE. I'll put that in the show notes, the final promo code. You'll get $50 off your ticket. So that's pretty cool. It is cool, Noah, I got to say. That, Man, that, you- that, that we are enough in this space where folks like Trip Fuller are reaching out and saying, hey, you want to hang out as a podcast for she our beer camp? Like, wow, us? <laughs> oh, man, yeah. When you sent me the link this morning with all of the guests that was going to be there, I like my jaw just dropped. Like, these are some of the some of my favorite people to listen to day in and day out with these their podcasts and their books. And, man, I was just geeking out. I think it's going to be so much fun. I mean, let me just let me just name a few of the people or, or, or a few of the podcasts who are going to be there. Obviously, New Evangelicals will be there. You have permission. They'll be there. Bible for Normal People, that's Pete Enns. They'll be there. A People's Theology, Rethinking Faith, 
Learning How to See with Brian McLaren. That podcast is there. Of course, Brian McLaren will be there. Um, oh, Kevin Garcia, A Tiny Revolution, they'll be there. And so many more. And as far as speakers go, we have Diana Butler-Bass. We have Adam Clark. We have Grace Jinsu Kim. We have Dr. Robin Henderson Espinoza. We have Sarah Lane Ritchie, Brian McLaren, Aaron Simmons, Trip Fuller. I mean, come on. These are some of the who's who of the of the people who are helping us carve better paths forward um, as new evangelicals. So anyway, I, I will stop rambling about this, but I'm very excited. I really feel honored because I am an uneducated, former homeschooled nobody. And to even be asked to come as a content creator, as, as an organization to represent our community, it, it honestly means a lot. So it is very cool. Dude, I'm I can't pumped. wait. It's going to be so much fun. We'll have a good time. So anyway, all right. So, you know, no, there's a lot going on in our world. There's a lot of shit going on. Oh, that <laughs> reminds me, Noah. I forgot to tell you this. We do have to start marking our podcast as explicit because we curse in it sometimes. Uh, fair My enough. bad on that. Fair Someone enough. messaged me and was like, hey, listen, I love your podcast, but can you put the – if you're going to curse – in a podcast. Can you put explicit? Because I listened to it with my kids in the car. And I was like, oh yeah, we're at that point in life where like, you know, it's not it's not just 18 year olds or, or young adults right. who are listening to us, right? Like we're yeah. actually parents now. I have two kids. So uh, or, quick or, reminder on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just go through all the episodes now and start putting those little bloop, yeah. you know, over yeah, all the words. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, you know, there's obviously a lot of shit going on in our society. We're, we're trying to cover it. We're trying to get the content out, it, it, it can be tough, man. It, it is tough to know what content to put in a reel uh, or in the stories or even in a podcast because there are so many stories that are applicable to the work that yeah. we do. Yeah. It it's feels tough. like everything is falling apart all at once over the past couple Jesus, weeks. And and even in the, you know, th there was that one week, uh, maybe a few months ago that I spent some time doing some reels for the page while you were away on baby leave. And Trying to condense anything into 60 seconds is impossible. And some of these conversations that we're having, especially with just the layers and layers and layers and everything connects like some big freakish jigsaw puzzle. So it's, yeah. it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. And you're absolutely right. I, as I do this work, part of what I have to do is I have to read articles, try and put the pieces together, right? I mean, that's that's my job as the person sure. presenting, right? Say, hey, here's what you should know in this 60 or 90 seconds or in this podcast. What I am realizing more and more is that there is a common denominator amongst all these different topics. It, it's conservative evangelicalism or Christian nationalism. Mm -hmm. And I use those terms distinctly because not all conservative evangelicals are Christian nationalists, but a lot of them are sympathetic to those causes. So I don't want to just lump them all in as, yes, self-identified Christian nationalists, but they really work hand in hand. And those two movements really are responsible for so much of the mess that we're in today as a country. Yeah. I mean, just to put it in perspective, one example of, of a way you might, you might not even think about you know, Joe Biden tried to push back, uh, push through his Build Back Better plan, and part of that included uh, child care, uh, like mm -hmm. federal child care. That part got gutted because Republicans were negotiating with Biden to get it out. Well, Republicans are represented usually by conservative evangelicals. You know, so so yeah. so you you can really trace back within like one or two degrees of an issue that you go, how could they vote for that to? white conservative evangelicalism or 
Christian nationalism. And it really concerns me to see, like, I wish I could say, hey, this one is on the atheist community. Atheists are pushing for, you know, the rollback of queer rights. I mean, here's all the, here's the clips. They are unified in this. But they're not. It is conservative (laughs) evangelicals. And it drives me crazy because I don't want to be the guy always trying to hammer this stuff. But, I mean, you have to call it what it is. This is what's happening. And, and it's it's a strange, strange thing, too, to be because, you know, I, I grew up very much in that world. And the the philosophy behind the conservative agenda that I was always presented was the freedom to, you know, express and believe and practice the things that you saw fit and to not take those rights away from somebody else. And the way that the party has entirely moved away from that into some kind of authoritarianism in the name of Jesus is utterly insane. And, yeah. and like you said there, you know, there's, you know, we do got to be careful in some ways to separate the conservative position from the Christian nationalist position. But the way that those two things are blurring together right now on the political spectrum is absolutely terrifying. And it's yes. been really difficult to distinguish one from the other. You know, I've got plenty of examples locally I could give you too long to go into here. But you see the language of an organization and the way that they phrase things to make themselves sound very balanced and nuanced. But you read between the lines and it's it's not just a conservative organization; it's a Christian nationalist organization. Hundred percent. I mean, I we so we're recording this on a Wednesday. This will be out Friday, but today on Wednesday we shared a video of Lauren Boebert, you know, a, a congresswoman in Congress who shapes federal law, right? Helps to make policy for the nation. Um, uh, say that 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 the church needs to be leading the state, not the other way around, and that mm-hmm. the idea of separation of church and state is junk. Okay, it's like, and, 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 and she's, she's speaking at an evangelical church, and they applaud. They applaud her after yeah. this. This is not some random dude on Twitch with, like, five followers. This is not some random person on YouTube with, like, 100 views. This is a politician who has been elected, right? And so, you from, and, and what party is she in? The GOP, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, guys, I don't, don't call me extreme for just calling out what is actually happening? Like, it's not extreme to say Lauren Boebert said this. This is a problem. Yeah. But for some reason, in like the white moderate evangelical mind, it's like, whoa, well, Tim, both sides, both sides are extreme. Right. And I post this say in the caption as kind of like kind of kind of trying to kind of trying to get ahead of it, where it's like, well, give me an example. Like, give me an example of the extreme agenda from Joe Biden. Like, give me right. the extreme. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, are you a are, is is your version of an extreme agenda on the other side? Someone who chooses to respect someone's um, 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 pronouns that they identify with. Like, is is that the extremism you're talking about here? Like, if that's our yeah. extremism, one side stormed our Capitol building because a president told them to, right, and tried to overthrow our election process. The other quote unquote side says, "Yes, we will respect you and call you by the pronouns that you identify with." Whoa, both sides, so extreme, so radicalized. (laughs) Guys, did you know that in Buzz Lightyear, two women kissing it? Oh my God, it's so extreme. I mean, I hate to like mock that way. They're shoving it down our throats, Tim. Well, that's what I'm saying, Noah, is like, I mean, you know, this is almost like a therapy session for me where it's like, I just can't believe this. Like, this is the both sidesism that the so-called white moderate evangelicals are trying Mm -hmm. to play the middle of. Like, these these are not two sides of the same coin. They're just, they're totally different, but 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 they really push that mythology of well you know 
We gotta be somewhere in the middle, Tim. Like, we, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to push far left. What is? Give me an example of far left. Affordable health care. Come right. on. Right. Well, and if you look at a global scale, when when other countries, uh, you know, I'd have to go back and find where exactly I'd heard of this. But from my understanding, when you look at the political spectrum in other countries, our version of even what far left is in this country isn't even remotely close to far left in most other parts of the world. Like they consider American far left centrist in most countries of the world. I, so it's it's right. bizarre that we're in the position that we're in, you know, and that that kind of radical, you know, uh, fear is being spread to just push this, you know, authoritarian agenda. No, I, I, it is an incredibly, um, effective, um, like tactic, right? It's an incredibly effective tactic that far right pundits and conservative media outlets have really convinced people on. Um, yeah. The Go strange ahead. thing about that, and, and this is sort of going back to the conversation we were having about the reels, is that most of what you're doing there is simply just raising awareness, just saying, hey, this exists, you should know about it. And people don't want anything to do with that. The, the so-called moderates in the center don't want to acknowledge those issues and, and spark up that kind of division. It's stirring the pot too much. It's, you know, it's causing a problem by, by just making people aware that this is happening. And I think that that's part of what makes it so frustrating to me, and I'm sure to you too, is that it's not that people are, are even blind to it. It's just that they choose to be. And that yeah. puts us in this really difficult position of then how do we actually move forward, especially as people that say we want to be followers of Jesus and move towards Christ likeness in our actions. And then we see this kind of stuff. We see what, you know, Greg Locke says on stage. We see what right. some of these people in office are saying about the separate, you know, rejecting separation of church and state. And, and it's, it's just like a blind rejection of that entirely instead of, and, recognizing there's a problem we got to do something about it no i i totally agree with you and in in fact what i did was for fun while you were talking i looked up the politics like 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 the big statements on uh uh that um alexandria ocasio cortez hopefully i said her name correctly um has on her website now that was aoc as as she is known by is seen in in right-wing circles as a far left, like just crazy, you know, off the rails progressive. Here are her six key points uh, or key issues um, on her website. One, Medicare for all, guarantee healthcare for all people, curb costs and improve long-term health. Two, housing as a human right, protect current occupants, repair public housing and build new affordable housing. Three, real public safety, ending police violence and investing in people, not prisons. Four, honor in in immigration. It's past time to make undocumented individuals full members of the country. They call their home and abolish ICE, I-C-E, which is the uh, Border Patrol, I believe, um, Mm -hmm. wing. Uh, Number four, a just recovery for Puerto Rico. Provide real support to Puerto Ricans experiencing economic and environmental crisis while respecting their right to define their own future. And number six, elevate public education. Strengthen our education system and make it affordable to all so students are prepared for jobs. Wow, there you have it. The radical progressive agenda. Take over the government. Enslave everyone. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying it's like, I'm I'm, I'm not saying that maybe um, some of of how she wants to get there is up for debate. I understand that. Okay, we live in a society 
that is full of debate and best way to do things. But like these, these statements are not extreme. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, like immigrants are people too. We should treat yeah. them as such, you know? What, yes, what, if, people, what if people had, you know, food and, and shelter and, you know, their medical needs were taken care of, right? right. Medical idea. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, I, I know we, we didn't really plan on going down this rabbit hole too far and we kind of did, but just had to point out, like it does, I really think that, I guess put it, to put it bluntly, I really think that that the the quote unquote mo- white evangelical moderate isn't really white evangelical moderate, right? Like, mm-hmm. or it, it's not moderate uh, in, in that sense. What they really are is they're just conservatives, like that. That's what they are. Because I I have yet to meet someone who's like, hey, I'm a moderate, and let me tell you, Christian nationalism, oh yeah, yep, big problem. And I do support queer rights, you know, because that is a moderate position to hold. No, it's never that. It's always like, at a minimum, it's, yeah, Christian nationalism is a problem. Also, pronouns. Can you believe that? Like, it's insane. It's like, oh, my God. Like, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah. anyway, um, the, the reason, though, Noah, that, um, that I have called this special podcast episode <laughs> is because um, my ex or former worship pastor called me for the first time in a year. A couple of weeks crazy. ago. Crazy. It is crazy. And I want to preface by saying, I don't think this person listens to our podcast or sees our content, but I'm going to pretend that that he is listening to this conversation, meaning the goal here is not to dehumanize him. It's not to try and make it seem like it was worse than it was. It's simply to just have that conversation of like, I know a lot of people in the community have had a similar experience where they were involved with the church, they were all in, and they were put in, a, in, in into a, a, a place where they were forced to make an impossible decision, um, and they did, and then they lost their community, right? Or or they were just asked to leave straight up. Or the people that they thought they were going to be doing life with for a long time via ministry just totally stopped talking to them. That happened to me. That's happened to many people here. We've shared this before, and you can go back to episode 11 to kind of hear the full story. But for any new listeners here, the, the, the quick quick breakdown is, um, last year in April, I was serving at an evangelical church that I absolutely loved. I was the worship drummer there. I was a volunteer, was not on staff. I also helped run this like parachurch ministry that we started that, that was a multi-church worship night that in our local area really blew up. Um, I was all in on that. And when I, when I discovered the church and when I discovered this multi-church worship night, they were, the, the, the worship night was kind of like dwindling. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the leadership was a little like exhausted from leading it so much. And I was so passionate about it that I kind of came in and helped breathe some fresh air into it. So certainly I was not the only person or it wasn't all on me to make what that night became, um, you know, what it actually became. But, sure, but yeah. I definitely helped breathe new life in, into the movement. And I'm really proud of it. Like, I'm still proud of that work. And uh, it was great. I mean, I met great people. We had great friends. So I was there. And then I started New Evangelicals. And then a few months later, my senior pastor sat me down at lunch and said, you either have to stop serving as a worship drummer at the church, or you have to stop doing the work um, of New Evangelicals. And I said, well, if that's the choice I'm given, I'm going to stop leading or being a drummer um, at this church. And he said I can still attend. But Noah, just to be transparent, like we know that's not an option when something like this actually happens. Like, let's just flesh right. this out for a second, right? You're involved at a church for five, six, seven years. You're known as someone who's heavily involved. The people that you made the friendships with, you serve in a certain way together, 
right? Yeah. And you're going to go from that to just attending on Sunday morning, being asked every single Sunday why you're not why you're not playing drums anymore, hoping that you tell the story in a way that doesn't disrespect the pastor, so it doesn't come back to him, so you get another talking to, and also all those relationships that were built on the worship team suddenly are completely like gone now because you're not at rehearsal you're not yeah. backstage like it, it's not it's not a reasonable situation right so on not a technicality i left the church but really i was put in a position i feel like where i had no other choice but to leave so anyway so that happened and the whole thing blew up and went really south my worship pastor was not involved in that conversation immediately we had a conversation later on it did not go well um and then i found out via text message from the senior pastor that my resignation from being a volunteer at this church also meant that I was resigning from my leadership role um, at this like parachurch worship ministry, which was for me completely gutting. I didn't hear it from the worship pastor. I heard it from the senior pastor via text message and was told, hey, me and the worship pastor already talked about this. Talk to that person if you have any questions. And then I heard from the worship pastor several days later, our conversation did not go well. We were both very upset and heated um, and, and, and that's what happened. So, so that's where we kind of left off. And then, then one last piece of the story, cause it's important for our conversation is that me and that worship pastor got lunch a couple weeks later. Um, we talked, it went pretty civil and we left off on, um, the note of he was going to talk to the senior pastor to see if maybe I could just get involved as just maybe just, just a drummer at the multi-church worship night or some other kind of just helping out goal. And sure, I, yeah. I I don't remember this exactly, but I might've told him like, I also have to think about it if I still want to be involved, but it all hinged on him talking to that pastor to see if I can even do that. Okay. Yeah. That was the last time I heard from him. And he never got back to you. Never got back right? to me. Yeah. Never got back yeah. to me. So I saw him at a birthday party a few weeks later. I didn't talk to him. He didn't talk to me, never heard or saw him again. Um, I ran into him at a restaurant a few weeks ago. I didn't even shake his hand. It was awkward. I just was like, hey, and walked away. And then I get this phone call, all right? So I'm recording an interview like this, and my Mac rings, and it's this person's name. We'll just call him John. That's not his name, but we'll say I saw the name John, and I'm like, oh, shit. Like, my stomach, <laughs> Noah, it dropped so deep because you know I've, I put the work in, right? Like, I was really yeah. hurt by what happened there. And, and also, as a type six loyalist— yeah. I, I am used to resolving like friendships and, and so many of these, including the friendship I had with John just was left open and I couldn't go back to it. So I put the work in to heal and to let, let, let the deep wound scab over. Right. And, and become a scar it's there, but like, it's not as painful. And then I see the phone call. I'm like, Oh my God, I, I cannot believe this is happening. So I didn't pick up because I'm not going to pick up. Also, I'm in the middle of a podcast. And then I see that he sent me an audio message. And I'm like, wow, this was not a butt dial. So yeah. he reached out to me. He did. Okay. And, oh man, you know, like, it was a really, we went back and forth in audio messages for a little bit. And, like, here's here's the summarization that, that, and I told him this in the message. So, you know, he reached out just saying that God put me on his heart and that uh, he hopes I'm doing well and hopes we can kind of maybe catch up at some point. And I just told him very politely, like, hey, I, it's it's really kind of you that that, that you're reaching out. Um, it's nice to hear from you. I'm, I'm doing great. But also, like, you know, I, I, those relationships from a year ago, how they ended, I've just made peace that they need to stay there and just kind of stay buried. I just, I don't want to revive them. There's nothing to revive, right? Um, and, you know, he responded. We kind of went back and forth. And it was just a very interesting dialogue because it, it 
honestly, like he, I was very transparent about, about the hurt I had from what happened a year ago. I told him I was back in therapy. I told him that it, it cost me a lot of tears, a lot of anxiety, et cetera. And there was just like no serious acknowledgement of any of that in the conversation. Mm. And he made the comment of like, you know, hey, when you left the church, he said that twice. Right. And I'm just like, right, right. In his <laughs> mind, I left. I wasn't forced out. I wasn't put in, in, an, in, in a possible situation. I made a decision to leave the church, even though I was put in such an, an awkward place. And it kind of just reinforced that even after a year, we're still worlds away from what we think actually happened a year ago. Right. And so I told him, I said, listen, I feel like you and I dated for six years. We had a horrible breakup. And now you're reaching out, wanting to just like keep in touch. Yeah. And it's like, what do we have in common? Like, honestly, there's nothing in common. We don't see what happened a year ago the same way. There's been no acknowledgement of harm done. I said that to him directly. There's been no acknowledgement of harm done from anyone in the church. And how can I just pretend that, like, you know, oh, oh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it never happened. Yeah. When, when there are pieces still on the floor that refused to get picked up. And I was, I mean, I wanted to be really careful because this was one of those moments, right, where you're like, oh my God, I've dreamt about this person reaching out to me so I could just <laughs> unload and tell them all of my true feelings, right? right. And, I, and, and when I actually had that moment, I'm like, ah, it's not gonna do any good. I, I'm not gonna convince him, you know, by, 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 by just unloading all of my thoughts for the past year. I'm not gonna do it. So I tried to be very like just articulate and, and, and polite, but also firm. But it was honestly like, in one sense, it, it was nice to hear that, I guess it was nice to hear that he was thinking about me, but also it was just like another reaffirming moment of, of right, there, there's no ability for self-reflection, it seems like. You know, I mean, I, I brought up to him like, hey man, I never heard from you after this moment you know, at the diner and he just deflected. Oh, I don't, I don't remember it like that. You didn't talk to me at the birthday party. So I thought you wanted space in my head. I'm like, like, you're the leader here, man. Like I, I was the volunteer yeah. pushed out. You're the leader. Yeah. You don't approach me. So I don't approach you. Right. And you take, you take that as a sign that I want distance. Like right. when, when I'm waiting for you to get back to me, like that's why I was distant. Cause you never got back to me. Like you told me you were going right. to. Right. Yeah. And when you think about spiritual leadership in an evangelical context, there is sort of a layer of, how you approach those things so it would, make, it would make sense that you would wait for him to approach you in that situation because the way he's framing it it's almost like you're under some kind of church discipline well right and i, and I don't want to beat a dead horse here or I, sure. I, I don't yeah. want to sound over the top but like we hear all the time from pastors about leadership how leaders eat last how you know leaders reach out first how leaders carve the path forward and sure. to sit down with my former leader and then be told i'll get back to you and never hear from that leader again. And then be told a year later, oh, well, I don't think it went down like that or that kind of, you know, very, I wouldn't say defensive, but very like, well, we both made mistakes. And in my head, I'm like, no, we didn't. Yeah. I did not make mistakes. I didn't have a moral failing. I didn't right. break the handbook, right? Like I didn't right. ask for, for what happened to me to actually happen to me. But in his mind, there's there's no, almost what seems like no ability to self-reflect and think like, man, you know, after a year and thinking about this a little more clear-headed, we really like dropped the ball. I'm not saying I even had to stay at the yep. church, but even sure. how it was handled was so terrible. He wasn't in any of the meetings. I heard from him days later. It was all over the place. I'm getting conflicting reports. 
Oh, I mean, it was just it, so. Anyway, I don't know. I, I maybe no. I appreciate you listening to me rant at you. It, it, it is very kind, and I want to give you no the, the floor to have your thoughts on this. You know, I don't want to you know dominate the conversation, but I mean, it was just such a stark reminder of like, right, right. In his mm-hmm. mind, I left the church. In his mind, we both made mistakes. In his mind, the, the, despite the fact that I'm telling him, you know, verbally to his face. This really destroyed like my life for a lot of months, and people in that community left me on red. I didn't hear from you after you told me I was going to hear from you. Put me back in therapy. It put a lot of stress on my family. I had stress dreams for months afterwards. I told them all this in audio, and to not even hear like, dude, I didn't even think about it like that. Like I have, you know, maybe I. Maybe we really did mess up. It was just like, I'm sorry if you felt that way. I'm sorry for anything on my part that I might have done. Yeah. It was that kind of like wording where it's Very like, Very oh deflective. My God. Well, you just don't get it. You know, like you just yeah. don't, I don't know. Like, and and I, I can't prove it. I can't go back in time and pull the 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 camcorder footage up and be like, look, here's the sure, conversation yeah. we had, right? So yeah. it's a lot of he said, she said, but I am like emphatically firm on this, right? Like, no, that is what happened. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, th- I think that that's an unfortunately... Um, cliche story with what happens when a lot of people choose to step away from a faith environment the sort of way that any kind of uh, suffering that they experience because of that whether they step away on their own or whether they they are forced to by circumstance um the lack of empathy within the the leadership and even the people at the church to understand what kind of cost that comes to at a personal level that it's sort of you know it's often seen sort of as you know some kind of unrepentance in your life right that's that you're leaving because you want to do what you want to do and you don't want the church to you know change your mind or something. So it's it's sort of your fault for leaving, and I'm just kind of turning this into the cliche image you know that so many of us have experienced, right? So it's it's your fault for leaving, and then there's no there's no you know realization of the kind of pain that that causes a person, and that's you know something that we run into again and again and again in these conversations of deconstruction totally. when people say I need to leave the church because of these burdens you know on me you know emotionally and spiritually with the things that are being taught i can't agree with this i'm getting kicked out you know the reasons are different but then the way the church responds to that with sort of the oh well they just wanted to sin more and so now they're going to go off and do their own little thing and there's there's no empathy to understand like you just lost your world man like you just lost your community you just lost your friends you just lost the the group of people that had committed to doing life with you and to pursue jesus with you and like the kind of earth-shattering effect that has on a person, it, that's just kind of negated in so many of these conversations. And that's what struck me about what you're saying here in that conversation is the inability for, you know, this person. And, you know, we joke about it, but in a very real way, it is very much like an ex at that point when you have that kind of closeness to a person and that kind of trust in a person. And then you add on the spiritual leadership component of that. And that's a whole nother level of, of you know, relational dynamics. And then for that person not to recognize the kind of harm that happens when they sort of force you out of your community is is just painful to see. You know, and we see it over and over and over again. Yeah. I mean, I, I you're absolutely right. I can't tell you how many DMs and messages we've gotten. I mean, my story is not unique. I have realized, and let's zoom out maybe for a minute, not, not just my sure. own situation, but I have noticed that, like, there is an inability in general in evangelical spaces by pastors to have any kind of um, um, like um, talent or cognitive ability to actually mm-hmm. reflect and take ownership when they make mistakes. Um, it just seems yeah. like it's always a one-way street. I mean, you know, my worship pastor, my senior pastor, whenever 
um, I posted something on Facebook even before New Evangelicals, and they, they didn't like it. They would call me. Like I would yep. know. I, I yep. knew that you know, like whatever I said on my own Instagram was was bothering someone in the church, or whenever you know they were concerned that I was leading the young people astray, even though I wasn't even talking to them. Right? I mean, I was on my my own personal account. It was sure, a, that yeah. that accountability was no problem. Like no problem, they can call me up and give it to me straight. But once the uh, the opposite has happened, and maybe they're responsible for harm, there's no ability to say, "Yeah, we really dropped the ball here." I mean, even a year later, right? There's yeah. still no ability to say to own, like, you know what, Tim? This one was on us. Like, it was not yeah. on you for how things went down because it wasn't. Like, it was not on me. Yeah. Um. And so it is interesting because I agree with you, Noah. It, it is. Again, my story is not unique. It, it, it is a theme here that we hear all the time um, with people who engage with us. And I don't really know what to do with that. You know, like there's no convincing my worship pastor of, yeah. of, of like, dude, like this blew up my life. I didn't ask for the conversation. I didn't want to leave the church. I didn't want to stop drumming. I didn't want to stop leading and drumming on uh, with that, that parachurch worship ministry. Yeah. I didn't ask for any of this. The senior pastor came to me, gave me a choice, which by the way, thank God I made the choice that I made. Now I do this for a living. I, I love the work that we get to do. I'm much more free to say things how I want to say them with no oversight. Even this conversation, like, you know, some sure. people can, and I get why they might feel awkward. I get that. But this is my story to tell. And I'm not going to apologize, especially because we're keeping everything anonymous. I'm not yeah. telling people what church it is or what the person's name is, right? We're not dehumanizing them, but I'm not going to stay quiet about what has happened. I, again, yeah. I didn't reach out to this worship pastor. He called me. So I, I'm allowed to talk about this stuff, how I see fit. So I'm I'm thrilled with the decision I, I made, even though I didn't want to make it. But this idea of like, well, when you left the church, it's like, right, right. I know on a technicality, <laughs> I left the church, but there was no cultural or like social or communal ability for me to stay in that church and, right. and feel feel supported, feel welcomed, feel loved. Unless, of course, I attended. You took my money because I would tithe, right? Of course, right. you're, you're going to take the money that I would give yeah. you. And I listened to, to, to the same three-point sermons that I've heard my entire life growing up in church. Like, if that's your idea of community, then you're right. Like, count me out. I, I can't do that. I've right. never done that. I'm not going to I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, yeah, because hmm. ex, you know, that is excommunicating you from your community, the worship community you were part of. And then, like, it's not like then next week you could get involved in some other ministry, right? You know, like thinking practically about that, right? Like they're kind of like putting you in a very narrow box of your ability to actually participate in that community that you're in yeah, in the I, long run there. I, and so yeah. they, they just, they don't leave you with a lot of choice in that kind of situation. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that the senior pastor was said something like you can get involved in some other ministry. I don't know what that would have been like parking sure. lot greeter or something, you know, right. but again, like yeah. my community is ripped away. I've spent, and I'll, again, when I say I, I'm talking really like for the community too. We've spent years cultivating relationships built on very specific actions in the church. So yeah. for me not to be a part of that takes away the main reason why I'm there, the people. I'm not there yeah. for Sunday morning sermons. I mean, shocker alert, I'm there because <laughs> I love the people that I'm working with. I love, I'm love. i there because I love, I love what we're building together. I'm there because I believe in the vision, right, of right. Sunday morning and this parachurch thing that I'm doing. I'm not here so I can attend, sing songs, and, and, and tithe, and then go home. That's not yep. why I exist to be a part of a church community. So anyway, it just, it was one of those moments where like, well, shit, <laughs> you know, like I was hoping maybe there'd be a little more ownership. There wasn't, but at the same time, you know, I, I, I put the work in to, to, to kind of get over it and just to, 
say it is what it is. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to fight with you. I don't want to keep having the conversation. There's just, there's nowhere to go. We have nothing in common anymore. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Now, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. No, I'll let you. I was going to go off on a completely different note with that. Okay. So. Well, here's one interesting thing I will say, and I can't prove this. So, so I'm going to, sure. I'm going to assume that God out of the blue put me on his heart, but I do not think in my head that it's a coincidence that two days or a day before he called me, I did mention it in the stories on Instagram that I have not heard from my worship pastor in over the over a year. And then I get this call. Now, I don't know. I don't think he sees our content. I don't know how he would. Maybe someone screenshots him stuff. I have no idea. I really don't. But like I it was it was just so hard to be like, wow, out of the blue, this person is, you know, at the gym working out. And he's like, hey, you know what? God, is that you putting Tim Whitaker on my heart? I should give him a call. I, I tend to think somehow he saw that that screenshot or post and goes, well, maybe this is a sign from God to reach out to Tim. That's what I think happened. Again, I can't prove that, so I, I'll, 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 get, I'll try and get the benefit of the doubt, but I've been in evangelical culture for a long time. I've been that guy that's like, God's put you on my heart. As, as you know, meanwhile, in the back end, like someone screenshotted me something or, or told me something about that person, and then I sure. kind of hide behind the God on the heart thing. So I, again, can't prove it, but ugh. It's just code for I think we should talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's nothing to talk about. That that, yeah. that that was the whole point. Is like, hey, John, I thank you for reaching out. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. I'm playing music. I love New Evangelicals. I'm full time. We're a nonprofit. We're kicking ass. We're taking names. I love the work I'm doing. Um, yep. Also, not much else to talk about. Don't know why we have to talk on the phone. I don't want to have to defend myself from last year. I don't want to hear your excuses for why last year happened the way it did. If there's going to be no ownership, like I'm just not interested in that conversation unless you want to really go through piece by piece. And I point out to you how the ball was dropped every single time. And you know, obviously, he didn't want to do that. Neither, neither did I, frankly. Sure. Um, but that, that 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 was my only option going forward. Is either we we just say. See when I see you, shake hands and keep things super surface, or we go through piece by piece, which, I mean, we could have went through piece by piece. <laughs> I had I had the, the arguments, and, and well, I had the perspectives all lined up, but it, it wasn't worth it. It just wasn't worth my time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and that's sort of the unfortunate place that I'm, I'm finding myself in, and I'm sure other people are as well, is that, you know, we do this work so much in our personal lives with the relationships we have of, of trying to explain the place that we're coming to as people, the conclusions we're arriving at yeah. spiritually and the kind of deaf ears that it tends to fall on when we, we, you know, we maintain this hope for so long that, Oh, maybe if we, maybe if we talk about this long enough, they'll start to understand. Yeah. And that, that thing that you described that moment of like, this isn't going anywhere. Right. is such a tough place to sit in. But I think the longer that, you know, I don't know how you feel about, it, I don't want to speak for you, but the longer that I do, you know, the work that I do in my personal life, the more I'm finding myself stuck in that place of like, man, you know, what, what purpose is this solving to, to, you know, have these conversations at a certain point, because there's no self-reflection involved. Right. I mean, there, there has to be a cutoff somewhere, right? Right. Where you, where you say, Hey, okay, I get it. You are just looking to defend everything that I say and why it's not effective or why it's not true. If that's the dialogue that we want to have, I can't go forward. Because why would I waste my time? Sure. Like to use the Bible, right? Why would I cast my pearls before pigs or before <laughs> swine? But like really, like why would I do that? Why would I spend hours debating someone or having a discussion when in reality all they care about 
is just you saying it and them not listening, but just listening to respond, right? Them not sure. really like taking your points and trying to process it. And what they would say is, well, you're not doing it on, you know, uh, what they would say is like, well, you don't do that either. But the difference is that I grew up in your spaces and I changed. Like I already know the arguments. That's why I changed my perspective. Now, yeah. if you're curious to know why I have those perspectives, Right, and you're open to actually like weighing them out and having an honest conversation. That's one thing. But if you're asking sure. questions just so you can learn, you can learn how how to stonewall me, or 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 to learn how to how to defend against my newest point. Why would I have that conversation with you? Like, there, there's no fruit. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like to use, and you know, we don't have to go down this route today because again, there are much more qualified people to talk about it. But you know, you look at sort of the the Roe versus Wade issue and the conversations about the, what the Bible says on that issue, and mm. you know. One Christian will point to Psalm, uh, you can't remember the reference, and then you know you can say, but Genesis this or Leviticus this, and it falls on deaf ears because the the decision has already mentally been made, you know, regardless of however thoughtful or nuanced your own personal thoughts and journey on that has been, and it's sort of a it's just a tricky place to sit in then of like sort of and and that's a very existential question that I don't have an answer to, but like where we move forward, you know, as individuals and as a community. When, when, eff, you know, efforts to bridge those gaps is met with the kind of deaf ears that it is, but, you know, how do you continue to pursue that? You know, how do you find unity or you, maybe you don't, you know, that's sort of the, and again, that's really existential. I don't know where to, I don't even know where to riff off of that, but that's the kind of thought that comes to my mind, you know, when we have these conversations more and more, it's like, man, we're in really between a rock and a hard place. Well, I, I mean, in my perspective, they don't want unity. Right, like yeah. I mean, and we can use my story as an example. I was there, didn't agree with a lot of their th their theology, didn't agree with, with a lot of their political stances, didn't agree with how sure. they talked about some things from the pulpit. I was still there. I was yeah. willing to say, "Hey, Christ is supreme." You know, we center around that. We don't see it eye to eye all the way, but hey, I'm part of the community. You're part of the community. We 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 can we can work together. And that wasn't enough. That that wasn't good enough because once I hit certain evangelical non negotiables right? Uh, queer inclusion or whatever else it could be. Sure. All of a sudden it was like, sorry, no unity here. So, you know, in a lot of ways, like at least for me, I don't see it as, as my fault. Like I'm not trying to be yeah. not unifying. I, I was trying to say I've grown, <laughs> but I'm, I'm willing to still work here and have this or you volunteer here yeah. and still have these discussions or, 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 and also like, again, back to just my example, I never spoke about these views in church. I was not in like the green room during like during worship devotions or something saying, and you know, I have these thoughts about queer inclusion. I think we have it all wrong here, friends. I mean, I kept these thoughts to myself. I yeah. only talked about them, uh, talked about them on my social media channels or with friends over coffee. Still sure. not enough. I was still causing problems according to them. So I, I think that we just have to be honest of like, last thought I kind of have, and then we, you know, we can, we can wrap it up if you want. We're almost an hour in, if you can believe it. But Whew. one last thought on this is that we have to be honest and remember that evangelicalism and their theology and their dogmas do not make space that they could be wrong. Yeah. They have to protect the truth. They have to protect the gospel. They have to protect right. the Bible. They have to protect the church. I mean, that's how they, that's how they see it. They are, they are the gatekeepers. They are the, the defenders of, of the true 
you know, gospel of the true church. So, so the idea that, well, maybe we have some things wrong, maybe our theology is off, maybe how we view the Bible is unhealthy. These thoughts don't enter into their head because they're so focused on protecting the ivory towers that they built for themselves and the institutions that sustain them. I mean, that's what the apologetics—that's what the apologetics industry does. It gives evangelical sure. churches more ammo and reasons to defend the faith, not to have actual dialogue. I mean, I've seen the Sean McDowell videos on YouTube where oh, yeah. he goes to pretend to be an atheist in a college, right, at a Christian college to try and train up kids to defend against the attacks from atheism. That's, I mean, I used to think that was great. Now I'm like, oh my God. Like it, it doesn't allow for for rich dialogue and for maybe for you conceding some points. Like, yeah, maybe yeah. the idea that a guy rose again from the dead and was also God incarnate, maybe that is a little unbelievable at times. Maybe that is kind of ridiculous. I get that. I, I still affirm it. I believe it. Yeah. But I get why someone might say, I don't believe this. It's a reasonable thing to say. Sure. But that's not how yeah. we're that's not not how we're wired when right. we're inside that's, of the That's spaces. giving too much up. Exactly. You know, to be able to have that kind of self-reflection. Yes. Yes, that's exactly right, Noah. That is exactly right. We're, we're conceding to the culture. We're conceding to liberalism. We're, 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 we're not standing on the truth of God's word. All these things, there are so many layers that go into this cake, but they're all sure. there and they all are built off of each other to sustain the empire that is Christian evangelicalism, whatever you want to call it, you know, Christian nationalism, conservative evangelicalism. That's what goes into this. So... I guess coming full circle, I'll maybe get some of your thoughts. That's what happened. That was the phone call. That's how it went down. Yeah. Well, I should say that, that that's how the audio messages went down. So it was interesting. Um, we ended on a good note. I wished him the best. He wished me the best. He respected my boundary of not wanting to go further. I really appreciated that. Um, wow. I, I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't think he's malicious. I don't think he is someone who's like, oh my God, I just think Tim is a piece of garbage. I don't think that at all. I just think that he is quite literally blind as can be when it comes to this stuff because he is a product of that system, right? He he is a, he's an ordained pastor. He has committed to the faith. In his mind, his goal over everything is protecting the church that he is a part of and protecting the faith that he endorses. That supersedes yeah. everything. So, and t- frankly, I think in their minds, I was a threat to that faith for whatever reason. Sure. But I think that's what it came down to. Which is a strange place to be in when we can be so easily threatened. Um, <laughs> faith can be so easily fre- threatened in that way. When, you know, the, I think a healthier way to approach that is to not be afraid of those questions, to not be afraid of those uh, alternate perspectives, because ultimately, if we believe God is big enough that he can handle that, you know, that's always the, the sort of the rhetoric that I was even told in the apologetics world, because I was really in that world for a long time. God is mm-hmm. big enough for the hard questions. They would like, they pushed that over and over again, but then they didn't actually truly wrestle with the hard questions. We just jumped over them <laughs> to, you know, the, the easy answer that we had. Right. And, um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't even have much else to say about that because it's sort of, you're just caught in that place where it's like, well, we're kind of at an impasse here. And when exactly. you describe that in your story, I relate to that so deeply. Again, you know, my experience at my the church I was working at, I hung around a long time. My beliefs were radically different than theirs by the time that I, you know, long before I left. Mm. And my hope was that me just being in the room, me just being the guy that thinks a little differently, you know, maybe that will change, you know, the dynamic a little bit. Maybe that'll be a healthy addition you know, in that way and um, came away very, you know, discouraged and disappointed in that yeah. regard. And I know yeah. that's, that's the story of a lot of people that, you know, we both talk to day in and day out. Yep. So, but and we have it healthy, easy. 
Yeah. Like there, there was no abuse in, at least in my circumstance, I yeah. can't say, you know, but there was, there was yeah, no, same like, in mine. yeah, there was I, overall I was, wonderful people, you know, right. You can, exactly. Yeah. That, that is exactly, that, that's why it's so difficult to even talk for me to talk about this because it's not that, that, that like, it's not that they're bad people. I don't yeah. think the senior pastor or the worship pastor are bad people. They're doing the job that they believe God has told them to do and they will stop at nothing to do it. That's what this is. Like they're just yeah. convinced that, you know, I was a threat I was causing waves. I, again, all on social media, nothing to do within the church. I would show up, shake hands, we had a great time, play great music, kick ass. I would go home and we start working on the next Sunday. You know, that, yeah. that's pretty much how it went down. Um, but, you know, for whatever reason, whatever I was saying online was just too much. And so they had to do what they were trained to do, protect the sheep. And for, and for them, I, I was becoming a wolf. And so they had to cast out the wolf. I mean, that's really, that, that's the only, only way to put it. You know, like they had to say, oh, sorry, you, you, you've you hit the, the fence here. You're trying to jump over the fence. And, and some of these sheep here are interested in what you're doing and they might want to follow that. And we can't have sheep doing that because they're under our pastoral care. Therefore, you have to leave. That's what it comes down to. And it is what it is. Yeah. So anyway, well, this was an eventful episode. Another one down. It was. It was a very fast hour as it usually is. I know. Is. I'm like it's 47 great. It's like minutes. It's a therapy session though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Noah, you're too kind. It's really a therapy session for me is what it sounds like. Um, but I mean, I appreciate you. I, I like having you d- with, with me on these because it's good to have that secondary voice. And also, like, it's just fun to talk to you. So yeah, it's always a good time. But I'm sure we'll do another episode soon because there's so much shit happening in America. <laughs> All right. Um, any last words, Noah? No, no, I'm just uh, grateful for this community, grateful for the conversations. It's always a good time. It's good to not feel alone in these things. And so, yeah, uh, come to come to Trip Fuller's Theology Beer Camp and uh, like that. Hang out. This karaoke night, I think, is is what oh. he was advertising his last episode. So that's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. Is it? I don't know. I, I've never done karaoke. <laughs> I have a horrible voice. I'll bring my I, drums. We'll call it. There we day. go. I I think it was like a um, cheesy CCM music karaoke too. So it's gonna be. There'll be some good laughs. Some Maybe we'll sing kisses, uh, Die you know? by Stephen Curtis Chapman or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Noah, we'll do this again. Thanks for hanging in. Absolutely. See you, everyone. When you're struggling with your mental health, the world can seem pretty heavy, like no one understands what you're feeling or you're not sure how to ask for help. But here's the real truth. You're never in this alone. 988 Lifelines trained crisis counselors are available 24-7 to offer the help and support you need to make it through. No judgment, no stigma, just someone to listen. Text or call 988-SUICIDE-IN-CRISIS-LIFELINE, day or night, 988. Hope has a new number.